It is Wednesday, October 19th, and this is People Every Day. Hello out there, Janine Rubenstein here, and today's show is definitely one you'll want to share with your friends. Today we are previewing our cover story on Mr. Chandler Bing himself, Matthew Perry. He has a new book coming out where he opens up about the extent of his drug use really almost dying and how his co-stars helped him get by. And Meghan Markle has spoken out about her time spent with the queen, Queen Elizabeth, and what home life is really like with her husband, Prince Harry. Oh, and we finally have the recipe to the salad dressing that's apparently so good, it'll make you want to end your relationship. Without any further ado, let's get to today's headlines. Kanye West may have a $250 million lawsuit coming his way after making incendiary remarks about George Floyd. In a recent Drink Champs podcast interview, the Flashing Lights rapper made an unsubstantiated claim that Floyd died from a fentanyl overdose, despite the fact that his May 2020 death was ruled a homicide by the examiner and an independent examiner hired by the Floyd family. An attorney for Floyd's family made a statement saying, quote, Kanye's comments are a repugnant attempt to discount George Floyd's life and to profit from his inhumane death. We will hold Mr. West accountable for his flagrant remarks against Mr. Floyd's legacy. Floyd's sister, LaTanya Floyd, previously told people the family was considering legal action and said, quote, the judge took the gavel in his hands and slammed it on the table and his death was ruled as murder, which we all know it was. We have been through a lot. We have suffered a whole lot and we are still suffering. And she went on to add, for us to hear someone of color say something like that, it's a really painful place. Mm. This, of course, all comes after Ye had his social media accounts restricted earlier this month after he made anti-Semitic comments. It has just been one thing after another coming from Ye the last few weeks. I mean, I'm at a loss for words, and I know a lot of people are hoping soon Ye will be too. This next story, unfortunately, isn't one that will brighten up your day. And as a disclaimer, it involves murder and sexual assault. 26 years after college freshman Kristen Smart vanished after attending an off-campus party at California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo, her family may finally have some closure. Paul Flores has been found guilty of first-degree murder. After lengthy deliberations, the jury announced on Tuesday afternoon that it had voted unanimously when it found Paul Flores, who's 45, guilty of killing Smart, whose body was never found. His father, Ruben Flores, who's 81, who was charged with helping his son cover up the crime, was found not guilty. The father and son were tried at the same time, but with different juries, and both pled not guilty to their charges. Luis Obispo County Deputy District Attorney Christopher Pravel testified to jurors that in the early morning hours of May 25th, 1996, Paul, a fellow freshman believed to be the last person seen with Smart, took her back to his dorm room where he raped her. Prosecutors claim that Paul Flores killed her, then enlisted the help of his father to help hide her remains under a new deck they built at their Arroyo Grand home. Prosecutors said that they believe Flores moved the body after soil samples taken at Ruben's house, where a deck had been built, tested positive for human blood. Smart's body was never recovered, and in 2002, she was declared legally dead. Again, just an absolute sad and horrific story. I just hope that the loved ones of Kristen Smart can find some peace now that justice presumably has been served. 
I know those first two stories were fairly dark, but we're moving on as best we can to preview this week's cover story featuring Matthew Perry. Well, you faithful listeners should know I am a huge Friends fan, and Matthew Perry captured our hearts when he starred as Chandler Bing in Friends. His comedic timing and signature vocal inflections made us laugh so much on that show. Uh, The episode where everyone finds out Chandler and Monica are dating will always be one of his most memorable. Okay, 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 you win. (laughs) I can't have sex with you. And why not? Because I'm in love with Monica. But despite the incredible success of Friends, Matthew was struggling behind the scenes. He battled an addiction to drugs and alcohol for years and had really scary moments where he came incredibly close to death. His story is harrowing, but with the release of his new memoir, Friends, Lovers, and The Big Terrible Thing, He's hoping he can help those who are suffering. He's also this week's People cover star, and he's opening up to us even more about the triumphs and the tribulations he's experienced. So joining me now to discuss it is the journalist who spoke with Matthew, People's editor-at-large, Julie Jordan. Hey, Julie, welcome back to the show. Hi, Janine. Thanks for having me. Well, when Matthew first got the role of Chandler Bing, he was 24 years old and his alcohol addiction was just beginning to surface. So what did he share with you about that? Well, at that age, he admits he wanted fame more than anything. He thought it would solve everything in his life. He had just started becoming addicted to alcohol. And unfortunately, the rise of fame only propelled his addiction. He said as as much as he appreciated friends, it was the greatest job he ever had in his life. No one was aware of how bad his alcohol addiction was becoming. He would be on friends for 10 years. By the time friends was over, his addiction was at its all-time worst. And no matter how hard he tried, he did not know how to stop because he hadn't learned the tools yet to really be able to conquer his demons. Wow. Goodness. Uh, You have a line in there about when he tells you when you're making a million dollars a week, you can't drink that 37th drink. 37. Well, in, in the Friends reunion, I remember Matthew spoke about the pressure he put on himself to be on all the time and to make the audience laugh hysterically. I felt like I was gonna die if they didn't laugh. And it's not healthy, for sure. But I would sometimes say a line and they wouldn't laugh and I would sweat and and just like to go into convulsions if I didn't get the laugh I was supposed to get. So when the reunion first came out, fans were so excited, of course, but also there was concern about Matthew and, and his health. And there were people, you know, bringing up the fact that it sounded like he was slurring his words. And a lot of the consequences of his struggles have been made public over the years. But the support of the Friends cast, of the people who were in his corner, hasn't really been publicized until now, right? Well, when Friends was happening, he never showed up to set high. He was never drunk on set. It was always after set. So the Friends cast kind of rallied around and they knew what was happening. He said they were very patient. They were very understanding. He actually said they were like penguins in nature. Penguins kind of rally around the really injured ones and keep them safe until they're ready to walk on their own. And he says that's exactly the way the cast treated him. They did whatever they could to get him the help that he needed. But until he was ready, there really wasn't anything that anyone could do. 
these are the, that's a bond that's going to be lifelong. Though they were best friends on set, they remain in each other's lives. And you know, this addiction is a journey for Matthew. It's not like friends ended. He went into rehab, and you know, he was healed or recovered. He's actually been to rehab 15 times over the years. So this is an ebb and flow and a daily struggle. He's been sober now. He doesn't want to say how many days, but he does keep count. And I personally have not seen him look this good and sound this good in years. It was really nice to see him this happy and feel safe about his sobriety now, which is exactly why he felt this was the time to share it all in a book. Wow. He told you that he's been mostly sober since 2001 with, quote, about 60 or 70 little mishaps over the years. He said at the height of his drug addiction, he weighed 128 pounds and was taking 55 Vicodin a day. And then there was that moment a few years ago when he was hospitalized for stomach pain from overusing opiates and his colon burst. He opens the book with this horrifying experience that he had where basically his colon burst. He was in a coma for two weeks. His parents were told he had a 2% chance of living. He ended up being in the hospital for five months. He had a colostomy bag for almost a year. That incident, that experience alone was what propelled him to eventually be able to stop drinking, stop taking drugs. His therapist actually told him once the colostomy bag was removed, and he was so grateful for that because he said it burst all the time. His therapist said, every time you think about taking an Oxycontin, I want you to imagine having a colostomy bag for the rest of your life. And he said, that's all it took. And every time he thinks about it, he's like, I do not want that. I will never take Oxycontin ever again. He's pretty safely sober now, and he wanted to be that way to write this book. As you said, it hits shelves uh, later this month on October 28th. Just outside of all of this, how's he doing? How's he feeling right now, just in life? He feels great. He's been going to the gym. He was very funny, actually, even through these dark moments. He said he doesn't want to go to the gym too much because then he'll only be able to play superheroes. He hangs out with his friends. He has dinner parties. He really is focused on creativity because he said that always helps him when he's anxious. He wrote a play. He's written a screenplay that he wants to direct. So he's very hopeful for the future. As a fan and a journalist who was there, I'm more hopeful than ever for him as well because I really think he's found a place of peace. And I think he's truly able to see a future where he can be happy. This story is so powerful and emotional, and it just makes me so happy. And guys, you can read more about Julie's interview with Matthew Perry on people.com and pick up a copy of this week's cover story on newsstands this Friday. Julie, it is always so great to have you on. You too, Janine. Thanks for having me. Coming up, we fill you in on what Meghan Markle had to say about her relationship with Queen Elizabeth and how she would respond if her children expressed interest in pursuing a career in entertainment. But first, Tom Brady is back in the news today. And no, this time it doesn't have to do with Giselle or yelling at his teammates on the sidelines. Brady has received some pushback after he compared playing football to, quote, going away on deployment in the military. Mm -hmm. After the break, we break down exactly what this news-making quarterback said this time. Stay right there. Hey, everyone. 
everyone. I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. We are back and it's time to get into what Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady said this time during the Monday episode of his SiriusXM podcast, Let's Go with Tom Brady, Larry Fitzgerald, and Jim Gray, Brady talked about the challenges of the work-life balance while playing in the NFL. And that's when the seven-time Super Bowl champ said, I almost look at like a football season like you're going away on deployment yeah, in the military. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, man, here I go again. The University of Michigan alum then further elaborated on the subject, saying that he's able to push through thanks to his strong competitive spirit, often taking over when he's dealing with the long hours in the league. No one is arguing that it takes a tough mindset to get through an NFL season, let alone 22 of them. But Brady is facing some backlash for comparing getting paid millions of dollars to play a game to serving in the military. Internet commenters and members of the military have spoken out about the remarks, including veteran Travis Akers, who responded on Twitter saying, quote, out of my eight-ish deployments, I never made $15 million, went home every night, or spent time with my family. Not sure where Tom Brady thinks his playing in the NFL rates a comparison to military service. Now, it's probably fair to assume that Brady doesn't literally think that playing in the NFL is anything like fighting in a war and is more so relating to working hard and being away from your family. But it just seems like the losses are continuing to pile up for TB12 on and off the field. Meghan Markle is continuing to take the world by storm. She's got a successful podcast, a beautiful family, lots of exciting career ventures underway, and a new interview that we just have to talk about. The Duchess of Sussex spoke with Variety for their Power of Women issue, and she covered a lot of ground. Meghan discussed the Queen's legacy, whether or not she's okay with her kids going into the entertainment industry, uh, her husband, Prince Harry, and my personal favorite takeaway, her favorite song off of Beyonce's new album, is cozy. Yep, I have that song on repeat too, but before I listen to it for the umpteenth time, let's talk about everything Megan shared. Joining me now to do just that is People Editor Stephanie Petit. Hey, Stephanie, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, first things first, let's discuss what Megan said about the Queen. She paid tribute to the monarch in such a beautiful way and spoke about how grateful she was for the relationship she had with her. Yeah, you might remember that Prince Harry released a statement shortly after his grandmother's death, but this is the first time that Megan has spoken spoken publicly about Queen Elizabeth since then. Meghan recalled the Queen's legacy, saying in terms of female leadership, she is the most shining example of what that looks like. And Meghan, who said she was proud to have had a nice warmth with the Queen, also shared how Harry kind of put a positive spin on the loss by saying now she's reunited with her husband, of course, referring to Prince Philip, who died in 2021. So I thought that was really sweet as well. 
So as we all know, Megan was an actress before she stepped into royal life. I loved her as Rachel Zane on Suits. She was so good. And while she has all these exciting projects in the works, including a docuseries that's part of her Netflix deal, Megan isn't stepping back into acting anytime soon, right? Megan was asked point blank, you know, if she would consider getting back into acting. And she answered pretty definitively, no, I'm done. And she hedged it a little. She said, I guess never say never, but it's not her intention. So, of course, we know that Megan and Harry signed a deal with Netflix in 2020. So they're not completely out of Hollywood. She talked a little bit about this docuseries that director Liz Garbus is doing that is reportedly going to focus on Meghan and Harry. And she said, you know, we're trusting our story to someone else. And that means it will go through their lens. She added that while this is all really new to Harry, this industry, she's excited to be around so much creative energy. Megan also opened up about if she would be okay if her kids went into the entertainment business. Yeah, when Megan was asked about if she'd be okay with the kids going into entertainment, she'd react by saying, great, and also good luck. She said they're part of a legacy and a tradition and a family that will have other expectations, but I want them to be able to carve their own path. Nice. I like that. She also opened up about a little bit of her home life, including the shows Archie is watching. And one of them is The Magic School Bus. And I love Miss Frizzle. And not only that, Archie also likes Ask the Storybots. And Megan showed off her rap skills when singing one of the songs. Listen. And I've become that mom where I'm like sitting around with friends and I start singing like... Tyrannosaurus, that's the chorus. Tyrannosaurus. I was like, what am I singing? Oh my gosh, I'm singing Storybots. I'm singing Storybox. I can absolutely relate to that. Life seems to just be great for Megan and Harry since moving to California. What else did she say about life at home? The two share an office at their California home, which I don't know if I could do that myself, but (laughs) I'm glad it works for them. They said working from home lets them spend lots of time with their kids. Megan also joked that they're commuters, sometimes making that two-hour trip to Los Angeles for meetings. And she noted that on their trips to LA, they might have a pit stop at In-N-Out Burger, which she said is Harry's favorite. And they must visit pretty often because she said the staff knows their order now. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. If he takes it animal style, then we're literally the same person. Stephanie, it's always so great to have you on the show. Thanks for stopping by to discuss this all with me. Yes, thanks for having me. Well, hi there, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Janine's Celebrity Kitchen, where we bring you the tastiest dishes from Tinseltown's biggest stars. And today, we have the recipe you've all been waiting for and is bound to make your taste buds go wild with an E. Olivia Wilde's reportedly scandalous salad dressing. It's great for topping off a healthy meal or for maybe even starting a relationship with one of the members of One Direction, allegedly. Now, this is one you'll absolutely fall in love with. Yesterday, Olivia Wilde shared her recipe on Instagram, and she's taking a page out of Nora Ephron's book. No, literally. It's a literal page out of Nora Ephron's 1983 Romana Clay 
heartburn. Efron is known for cooking up some of your favorite love stories like Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail, ding! And this little dressing will certainly serve up some strong flavors and leave you weak in the knees. First, of course, you'll need a salad. I usually prefer mine with lettuce. Then just set that aside. Unlike Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis' relationship, it'll come back, I promise. You'll need a bowl or any concave dishware will work in a pinch. Uh, Mix two tablespoons of grape poivre, mustard, two tablespoons of good red wine vinegar, which is a lot like regular vinegar, but like me, on a Friday night, has a little red vino in it. (laughs) Then whisk with a fork while slowly adding six tablespoons of olive oil until it's thick and creamy. I mean, just look at how nicely that's coming together right there, yes. Lastly, and this is completely optional, but feel free to add in a pinch of shade. Always like to sprinkle some in whenever I can. And there you have it. Now, grab that salad that I mentioned earlier, drizzle on top, and mmm, 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 it's so good. It'll make you want to cry. Just don't do it in front of your nanny. Enjoy! I'm sorry, but that was just too much fun to pass up. Basically, yes, the now infamous salad dressing that Olivia Wilde allegedly whipped up for Harry Styles was taken from a Nora Ephron novel. Wilde posted a picture of a page from the book in her Instagram stories last night, which contained a salad dressing recipe. And now I don't know if it's the real, real one that she made because this recipe comes from a novel that was inspired by Nora Ephron's divorce from Washington Post reporter Carl Bernstein. So this feels feels like maybe Olivia is just having some fun with everyone and throwing some shade. And that's why we thought we would too. (laughs) Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for being here with us, you guys. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow, right here on People Every Day.